And welcome to another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, which I'm sure you know by now, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you on another Friday. And today, we are actually going to do a fan-requested podcast. As I've said a few times on this podcast, I want you to realize that you can make requests of what you would like us to discuss. And if you are chosen uh, for that honor, we will have special giveaways associated with that. Um, We are still, as I said, ironing out some of the details as far as that's concerned, mainly because we haven't had a whole lot of input from our audience yet, but we would love to have that problem. So if you have any ideas for our podcast, or any ideas of what a good incentive would be for those that do, please let us know by either sending us a voicemail at speakingforhim.blogspot.com or sending me an email at andrew at speakingthenumberforhim.com and we would be glad to take that feedback. Moving along from our housekeeping, let's plunge right into today's show and we'll start with the quote of the day. And this comes from a Mr. John Stott. It says here, one of the greatest weaknesses which we Christians, especially evangelical Christians, display is our tendency to extremism or imbalance. It seems that there is almost no pastime the devil enjoys more than tipping Christians off balance. My conviction is that we should love balance as much as the devil hates it and seek to promote it as vigorously as he seeks to destroy it. I just thought this was a very good quote because I see a lot of Christians in this quote and even myself from time to time uh, because there is this thing that one of the biggest things in the Christian life that fights for position is law and grace. Yeah. On one side, you have the fact that God provided his perfect law and he wants us to follow his commands. And on the other side, you have the fact that we are saved by grace, that it's not by works that we're saved, and that only what Christ did is what gives us salvation. And so um, there's a constant fight to have the proper balance in the Christian life as far as how far to lean on the law side and the grace side. And they really do work together. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about having balance in the Christian life. We're going to talk about some specific conflicts or some specific statements or things that cause the Christian conflict. And we'll get right into that conversation. But first, Adam, did you have any thoughts about finding a balance in life? Oh, boy. I think that you're talking to a guy who is still trying to find it sometimes. (laughs) And I think this is a great topic because um, especially – This uh, past year, in 2013, one of the things I've really been learning is uh, balance. And that means not saying yes to every single thing because you may feel bad letting somebody down or you feel like, oh, maybe I'm not doing enough for God or something like that. Or, oh, if I say no, is this a missed opportunity? Uh, But there does come a point where it's like uh, I have to have a balance because um, if, if I'm not in a good spiritual place myself from running myself ragged, that's not going to help anyone out, you know, not do anyone any favors. So I think really digging deep into finding balance, especially in a Christian life, is really important. All right, and I agree with you. I think that, that balance is so important, and we do 
tend to be people of extremes. Um, that's why uh, God has to constantly issue reminders. You know, the children of Israel, they said we're going to follow God's commands constantly throughout the Old Testament. They're saying this. And then they fall off the wagon, so to speak, and go after idols or complain against God, even though they knew that he delivered them greatly. I mean, in my mind, at least to a certain extent, I think about the people that saw the ten plagues of against Egypt, and I'm like, how could you ever doubt God again after seeing those miraculous signs? Right. But we've all seen miraculous things in our lives, and we still have reason to forget God because we are fallible and we are human. But let's look at some of these specific challenges that we face. The first one I want to talk about is that God calls us to put him first. Now, there's no doubt about this. God says repeatedly that he deserves first place in our lives. He says this in Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 20, verse 3 again. But he also says, and I think this is so important, that we cannot use God as an excuse to neglect our family responsibilities. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like I see this more often than I should, you know. We think that if we're in church every Sunday and every Wednesday, that that's honoring to God because he wants us to be with his people. And yes, it can be very honoring to God to uh, be in the church, to be serving his people, uh, whether you're a deacon or an elder or some other responsibility in your church. That can be very good. But this is what God said to the Pharisees, who, mind you, were supposed to be the servants of God. This is what he said. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. So this is something that God takes very seriously, first of all. This oh, yeah. is not some fly-by-night thing. But ye say, whatsoever, but ye say, whosoever shall say to his father and mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, these people draweth nigh with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now, God's command to put him first was never rescinded. He still has that. As a matter of fact, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment ever? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So this is very important to God. But God also says, if I give you family, and if you have responsibility for a family, you can't neglect those responsibilities in order to serve me. See, these Pharisees thought, I'll give my money to the church, and it will look good that I'm giving to the church, but my parents, I don't need to take care of them. And uh, Jesus is essentially saying, you're taking your ideas of what's godly and changing them from what my ideas of true godliness are. So we need to make sure that we are somewhere between uh, these two extremes. We can't put our family before God which we can't use our allegiance to God to allow us to neglect our family. 
Adam, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on this, especially working for a Christian organization. Have you thought about how this kind of affects your family or how you have to make time for them? I mean, I know that you're single, but I also know that you have brothers and sisters and parents that like to see you once in a while. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit to this point? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is another thing that I've learned over the past year or two is, um, you know, it can be so easy to try and please people, whether it would be through your job or through things you're asked to do at church. And those things are good. But if that starts to swing the pendulum where your family takes a hit from that, it becomes a bad thing. And danger starts from that because then your family starts to take a hit and then there's trouble. So I've always heard that uh, it's kind of like a, I saw it on a, in a book once. It was a fountain, and pretty much the water coming out the very top, that was God, and then it trickled down to a smaller plate that caught all of it, and that was family, and then it trickled down to like job responsibilities. I think church was obviously above that, and then job, and then other recreational things, and the bowls went down and split into bigger things. But what happens is the fountain would catch in each dish as it went down, but the top one was God and then family, and that's how it should be. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to have our dishes and our fountains get cracked in life, and then a whole bunch starts pouring towards this one area, but the other area starts to dry up a little bit more. And we have a crazy schedule. It's hard to keep it all balanced, but it is easy to get wrapped up in so many things. All of a sudden, you wake up one day and realize, uh, I'm not giving enough to my family. And that goes really for obviously, a, if you're married, your husband or wife, you know, you're in charge of, of raising your family. But even for siblings, uh, if you're an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, it, it, it all is kind of in the same boat of really putting into your family. Yeah, I really, I really think that's good, and I appreciate the picture of the bowls. That will stick with me and hopefully help me to maintain my priorities. And I hope that helps you to realize that uh, in this area – We can have balance. All right, the next one that I want to uh, talk about is works and their role in our salvation. Uh, Because on one hand, it is not by works that we are saved. The book of Ephesians says it this way, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Clear enough. But there's also another passage in James chapter 2, verse 18 that says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you, show thee my faith by my works. Again, this is James 2.18. And looking at these two, and I will, I will take this one and share from my own life, that it can be easy to think, well, well what have I done for God today? And that's not a bad question to ask. But to think of it in terms of a checklist and having to do certain things is the wrong way to look at it. On the other hand, if you have been saved by God's grace, if he has extended to you salvation through your trust in him, then one of the best ways to share that with others is to do so with good works. Because when you do good works for someone, guess what? One of the first things they might ask you, especially in today's self-centered culture, is why are you doing this for me? That gives you an open door to say, I am doing this for you because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Because after what Jesus did for us, nothing uh, we can do even comes close. Yeah, Adam, do you have any thoughts? 
Yeah, I think that's boy, that's that's right on the money right there. And um, you know, it's it's great to do good acts for others to um, kind of reflect God's love to others as well. But um, we do have to be reminded that by those, we can't earn a spot in in heaven or something by by doing that. It helps us get pointed towards God, but it's only by what he did on the cross for us is how we were truly saved because we could have done all those great acts before and it it wouldn't have mattered as much at all. So I think that's a a good point that, you know, uh, you can't be saved just by works. It's, It's the grace of God himself that then helps you through doing those good acts to get closer to him as well. Works should are not the reason for our salvation. Instead, they are the result. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That's really and, good. And uh, I hope that that will help us to remember to have balance in that area. And finally, as we wrap up, this final statement that I want to talk about balance in is glorify God in all you do. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, first of all, glorifying God in all we do leaves no room for error. It's saying that whatever you do, whether you're eating, whether you are sleeping, whether you are driving in your car, you are to glorify God. You are his ambassador if you have trusted Christ as your personal savior. And so you need to do everything for him. That being said, I think sometimes we can get so busy doing things for God that we forget to spend time with God. And doing things for God is not a substitute for being with them. For instance, Adam edits my podcast. And without Adam editing my podcast, it wouldn't come out as good as it does. But Adam editing my podcast is not the same as us being face-to-face. When we are face-to-face, we can fellowship and get caught up and actually get to know one another. So, let us never substitute service for God for the chance to actually get to know God. And that's, that's Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say that's a great one to touch on because, you know, nowadays more than ever, that's a really hard concept to grasp because we live in a society where well, I can, you know, quick text somebody or quick email somebody or quick Facebook somebody. And, and not that that's bad, but if that takes the place of social interaction or especially even time with God – because maybe you're so busy doing this or even it's uh, going to even all these church events or something. It's not just having that real time with him to learn about him, get to know him. That's that's a problem. So that's a, that's a great thing to touch on as a reminder because it's so easy to just, you know, get into that mode of I'll text this, I'll email this, and you just get used to it. And again, not that that's a bad thing as long as it doesn't take over your life. Well, think about that. Think about this. We have more ways to communicate today than we've ever had before. Mm-hmm. Yet there's less actual communication overall going on. I mean, if I put put a text out there, and yes, there are people that I text, and it can be a nice way to communicate with people that I wouldn't normally get a chance to talk to otherwise. 
but there's usually nothing lasting or profound that people put in text messages. Uh, people no longer, you know, take the time to write a three or four page letter because they can send a paragraph here, a paragraph there. So it's just not the same type of communication that we once had when you had to write a five page letter and then pray for the Pony Express to get it to the right person. <laughs> it's just a totally different way. And it's kind of interesting because you would, you would think that, you know, technology would, would make you work better and get more done. But really all it does is, in general, I'm not saying always because sometimes things are helpful. But in general, all it does is just change the dynamic. Because sadly, we find ways to fill up the time. And we don't always use these things as time savers the way we intended to. And that leads me to the contrast to this, which is be still and know that he is God. And Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And we already touched on this a little bit when we were talking about glorifying God in all you do. But sometimes you just need to go come away and you need to spend time with God to have him talk to you and hear what he wants to say to you. Jesus, the very son of God, spent sometimes whole nights in prayer. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to have a whole night in prayer? I've never done it. It's probably something I should consider doing. Maybe eventually, maybe not right now, but maybe eventually we can challenge each other to do that. But if the very son of God needed that time with his father God, how much more do we need time as imperfect human beings yeah. to be before our our father in heaven and his son, Jesus Christ? That's a good point. Yeah, that's something big to think about. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I once heard that Martin Luther said, I couldn't get anything done if I didn't spend at least four hours a day in prayer. A lot of times, you know, we think, well, and even for me, sometimes when I'm preparing this podcast or preparing one of my sermons, I say, well, this is Bible-based. This is for the edification of the saints. So I don't need to spend my personal time with the Lord. But the Lord is constantly reminding me that I still need that time. This isn't a substitute for time with him. Yes, in some ways it is extra time with him. But it's not a substitute for the personal relationship um, that I am cultivating. And so even as I tell you about the need to be still and know that he is God, my exhortation is to myself as well to come away from the busyness of life and to be able uh, to be still and know that he is God. And one of the exciting things for me is as spring approaches in a few short weeks, I will have more opportunities to do that because when the snow melts, I'll be able to get out in my yard and be able uh, to just spend an hour or perhaps even more outside with the Lord every morning. And I always look forward to that time. I can do that indoors, but for some reason, being indoors is not the same feeling of freedom and aloneness as being out in my yard is. So I, for one, am looking forward to that. Not that I didn't already have other reasons for looking forward to the spring thaw, but that's a big one. So I just hope 
that this has helped you a little bit as you think about balance in the Christian life. I know this uh, really just scratched the surface, and we may revisit this topic because it is pretty broad, but I hope it gave you a starting point. I hope that you will feel blessed having listened to this podcast, and I hope that you will go and apply some of what we talked about today. Uh, For the Speaking For Him podcast, this is Andrew Gomison saying, keep serving the best of masters. Remember that your executive producer is Adam McNutt, and I just want to say to you, keep serving the best of masters. Have a great weekend, everybody.